Welcome to the podcast Israel and Christians Today. This podcast is brought to you by Christians for Israel International. Join us on a journey as we explore and discover God's love for and His promises to the Jewish people. Our goal is to understand Israel and world events from a biblical perspective. Enjoy this new podcast episode. Well, hello everybody. Good morning, good evening to our listeners and viewers. Welcome to another podcast episode, Israel and Christians Today. Andrew Tucker is my name, speaking with Johannes Gerloff. Uh, Welcome, Johannes. Welcome. Good to see you again. Uh, For those who are joining us, we are having a conversation over a series of podcasts uh, about really uh, how we look at Uh, Zionism, the Jewish people, and the land from a biblical perspective. And in the last few episodes, we've been diving deeply into international law. uh, And we're doing that uh, because law somehow plays an important role in, in all of this, the way that nations interact with Israel, the way they Uh, take action in relation to this conflict between Israel and the Palestinians, between Israel and the Arab world. And we're trying to grapple with uh, the reasons that they do that, the reasons they take particular positions. And we explained last time that in a way, international law is a language. It's a toolkit for that expresses the, the attitudes of nations towards Uh, Israel and the Jewish people. And this episode, we wanted to uh, grapple with the relationship, I guess, between international law and the Bible. Uh, How do we look at this from a biblical perspective? Is there a a conflict between international law and the Bible? Uh, If so, how do we resolve that? Um, Who do we look to? Who has authority? Who, Who governs? And what does it mean for us as Christians, I think, is a really important question. And I can say, just to kick off the conversation, Johannes, that uh, I experienced this being a Christian international lawyer. Uh, this is a, something I'm wrestling with, and I'm, I'm keen to get your perspective today uh, on this. Um, and I, I do see a tension uh, and potentially a conflict between uh, the the rules of international law and uh, what the Bible tells us about God's purposes with Israel and the Jewish people. And uh, I I had a conversation recently with uh, a friend who's a well-known public international lawyer, and he was very skeptical about the idea that you know, uh, we should take any cognizance that we should take into account at all the idea that God is somehow bringing the Jewish people back to the land. And if you don't have that perspective, if, if you think the Bible doesn't say anything relevant about this, then I, I think that changes your perspective about uh, the conflict and, and certainly about international law. Um, so I see a tension between the idea that, you know, there's something 
there's something uh, irrational in a way about Israel, the, the idea of the Jewish people returning from the four corners of the earth to the land because of their deep connection with the land, which has got very much to do with their faith and their identity as a Jewish people, as a biblical identity. That's on the one side. On the other side, we see a people, we call them Palestinians, and they are being oppressed and the Jews, in a way, came from the four corners of the earth and have, are now occupying a land which they didn't occupy. They're occupying land belonging to others. And there's a tension here. And how do we deal with that? Look, I think we, we, we have to make a few parameters very clear. One parameter is that God is in charge. And that gives us a lot of relaxation, a lot of peace, at least me. I know that the one whom I call my father or our father, he is in charge. And it's absolutely important that nothing happens that he does not allow. You know, even if you think about the story of, of Job, where God allowed Satan to touch Job, in the end, bodily. But the devil could not do even a, a twinkle of eye more than God allowed him to do. So it's a very important thing that we know that, that God is in charge. And I would like to, I have, I have to tell you honestly, I would like to feel that more in Christian circles than, than the the angst, the the fight, the 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 fright, the fright, the, the 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 fear of the Antichrist, for example. Also, when we talk about very up-to-date things like getting uh, whatever against Corona, yeah, I mean, it, it, God is in charge. Nothing happens that He will not allow. That's one thing, and it's, the second thing is. The Bible tells us very clearly to submit to authority because it is instated by God. It's very important that we know that. And therefore, I will submit to the law that is given by the authority I'm under. Actually, these are the thoughts why I was questioning you so much about international law and where authority comes from, where does international law deduct itself its authority? And you said by analogy or by, but it's a conversation, it's a language. You did not say this is a Torah. You did not say this is given by God. But this is different nations talking. And I was reminded of Chinese people telling European diplomats we don't understand what you mean with human rights. And according to what I listen to you, they are right. Because it's a European concept. Like the nation state and whatever. And we have to be exact there to understand how things are derived and where things come from. And what is, we, we, we should not submit simply because the majority thinks of something or simply because the atmosphere is like that. We should ask clear, black and white, what is the law? 
and to make that concrete for occupied territories, I would never encourage a settler who settled or who built his house against Israeli law in a certain point to fight Israeli police. If he has the right to peaceful demonstrate or to, to, to resist peacefully, yes, let him do it. I had the other day a very interesting discussion with a good friend of mine. We are friends for 20 years. He himself was two years in Israeli prison because of, I won't go into that, but it's connected to what I'm talking about. He was in the same prison together with a bunch of people who tried to explode the Temple Mount in order to build a temple. And he took me into the discussion. He was then about in the beginning of his 20s, and they were somewhere in his 40s, 50s. And there were tough discussions, theological discussions. What does God want? And he challenged them saying, if you did not, not succeed in clearing the Temple Mount of the uh, Dome of the Rock, then God didn't want it. And if you were caught and landed up, ended up in prison, then God wanted it. He doesn't want you to clear the Temple Mount. I mean, you feel how this is getting to the most inner point, yeah? And I would fully agree with him. I do not think it is our task to, um, to violently even, or with weapons, oppose an authority that's in, that is instated by God. If there is law, I have to submit to it. And I will happily su submit to it to say it in the language of the New Testament, I will give to the Caesar what is, the C is Caesar's. But if Caesar asks me to worship him like a god, we are now in the middle of the Roman Empire that is not so far away from the European Union. Yeah? Uh, we, if Caesar asks me to worship him like God and to call something good that God calls an abomination. I will not submit to Caesar. This doesn't mean that I will grab a weapon. Please do not misunderstand. This does not mean that I will suddenly drive on the left side where the law says you have to drive on the right side. Hmm. So there, there might be, I might go on, there are more parameters we have to see very, very clearly and, and we have to put in place and not take out. Also, for example, I, I, I put one third one in, uh, God created nations. And he created ethnic diver, diversion. But I do not think that he created us as nations in order to build a state, a tower of Babylon, where we are independent, self-sufficient, the words independent, self-sufficient, sovereign sound very much like the one who said, did God really tell you? Shouldn't you, do, you? shouldn't you be independent from him? So even if Christians go into a direction and think they can be independent or self-sufficient and survive the end times or whatever, it sounds for me not really biblical. Yeah? So, yes, there are differences. Yes, there are nations. 
And yes, we see certain things, but, but I do not have necessarily, if, if you ask me to support or to not support, I will not say that we have a right to sovereignty or a right to independence. I would emphasize that God created the diversity we are living in. God created it in order to be interdependent, in order to live together. And we see that, I can say that on a national level, you see it in the Torah. If the Torah orders the nation of Israel to consider the foreigner who lives in their midst, the non-Israelite, as a citizen, and if you look into the book of Ezekiel, the foreigner, the non-Israelite, even is, has a right to land here in this land. Then... I would oppose certain nationalistic tendencies that come from European ideology, even if I find it in Zionism. So you see, mm. it's, it's not an easy question, but you wanted to go to the Palestinian people and I took you somewhere else. Well, I'm, I'm just suggesting that there, you know, there can be a tension between, um, between, uh, yeah, it's got to do with authority, I think, where we, where we take our ultimate authority and where, where is the line. I mean, you as a German know only too well that there's a point at which when, when your nation or whoever's in authority is asking you to do things which are so fundamentally wrong, there, there is a point at which you, I think, are called to... Uh, to resist that, or at least not to comply with uh, the demands of your government. Um, my, I guess my point about international law is what I, uh, what I think is important is that, because I think nation, nation states still are sovereign and, and have sovereign authority to make decisions even on the international stage, and it's not good enough for states to say, well, um, international law tells us we have to do X or Y if that's not absolutely the case. And I think international law is often being used as an argument by states to take a position. For example, there must be a two-state solution. Because I don't think international law is actually demanding that. It's, it's, a, it's an opinion. It's a view. It's a political um, it's a political approach, which may be valid, it may not be valid, but it's not obligatory. And if it's not obligatory, then I think that, you know, then, then there comes into the picture the responsibility of our nations to be looking after the Jewish people and making sure that they have a safe haven and are enabled to recreate their homeland, not at the expense of others, but not at the expense of the existence of the Jewish people either. And so we get into a tricky area here about, you know, the calling of Christians within our nations in relation to Israel and the Jewish people. Look, I, I think it's very up to date uh, what I am saying, uh, or my thoughts are very much triggered as a Bible reader living in today's uh, time, uh, because I see, if I look at the United States, 
that uh, they're afraid of a civil war and, and, and believing Christians are playing a decisive role in all this. And I do think there should never be, never ever be the fear that Christians, for whatever reason, provoke a civil war. We have a right to, to, to peaceful resistance, but you addressed me as a German before. I, I had a lot of thinking about how I would have dealt if I would have been in the, in the situation of Bonhoeffer, and I'm not, I'm not now trying to, to give advice or not saying I would have done it like that. There are a lot of elements that, that form such a decision. But if I'm in a position to theoretically decide, then I would have said, yes, we as Christians should have peacefully, passively resisted with all clarity such a satanic regime. But I would have resisted any attempt to kill Hitler. But by the way, if the, if the body of Messiah, if the body of Christ in Germany at the time would have seen that they are grafted into the olive tree of Israel, and if all those who are, were truly Christians would have seen their connection with the Jewish people and would have gone into the concentration camps together with them peacefully, not resisting violently, the whole system, the whole German system would have collapsed because there would have been a big question mark. And Germany at the time was much more Christian than today. The problem is that even the Brethren movement, even the Pietist movement, with all their founding in the Bible, were caught up by Hitler. And I say it in today's terms, because Hitler saw the uniqueness and the, that God created nations and mixed it up with a nation-state idea that was European and made the nation-state in the end into an idol. But then if you, if you come down to, 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 to points, Hitler was the one who was against abortion. Hitler was the one who brought family values for his purposes up. So we have to see the whole picture. And therefore, therefore, yes, I would very much encourage to see and to analyze the facts on the ground and to compare them with the whole picture we have in the Bible. So where do you see all of this uh, heading? And when you look at this, the things we've been talking about and, and the, the scenario that we see, what does this tell us about... Um, the relationship between the nations and the Jewish people, between the church and the Jewish people. Does, is it, can we draw any sort of conclusions about uh, the time we're living in or um, is this leading towards conflict or not? Uh, are there signs that we should be taking out of this that are relevant for us? First of all, there is a conflict. There is a conflict since Adam and Eve. And we should be aware of that conflict and is maybe today much more in the invisible world than in the visible world. There's a huge conflict going on. 
We see it in Psalm 2 that the nations are going crazy against the living God. And I think we are part of that conflict and we should take a clear position within that con conflict, even if it costs us. I wanted to say before, I would not have been able to, to, to promote or to support killing Hitler, but I, I understand and I say our solution is to let those kill who can kill only the body. Let them kill the body. I think martyrdom is something we have to, the thought of it that was the, the, in the early church very much present and it's lost in Europe. It is a possibility. It is, if we take early Christianity, it would be the normal thing for Christians to go, to lose their life in order to win it. So also in this conflict we are talking about, Yes, we have to set these priorities right. The second thing I see very clearly is that God is bringing back his Jewish people into the land of Israel. And I use specifically these terms. God is bringing back the people of Israel into the land of Israel. It started a few hundred years ago. It, has, it goes towards a peak. Now, this does not necessarily mean that I am mixing up the state of Israel with some divine being. The state of Israel is a, a, an expression of the Jewish people coming back into the land of Israel. If people come and say the state of Israel is fulfillment of biblical prophecy, I can very easily come and say, show me the biblical prophecy. The state of Israel is a product of God bringing the Jewish people back, yes. But it's also a product of a, a nationalist nation-state idea that has its origins in Europe. And it's a product of Arab, Middle Eastern hatred of the Jews. And if you take that mix together and historic developments, you end up with the state of Israel. It could have, I, I could imagine a totally different scenario that the Jews are coming back and the Arabs are saying Ahalan was Sahalan and uh, the Ottoman Empire did not go its way and the Jews are coming back and God is collecting the Jewish, the Jewish people back into a multinational state. What's the problem? It doesn't contradict the Bible. So I see other options, but I, we have to be clear with the facts on the ground and clear with the Bible. I, I will not tire to, to, to emphasize that over and over and over again. And yes, I see here certain things. I mean, I, if, if we go into the Palestinian question and I, if we talk about nations, I'm not sure whether the Palestinians are a nation according to the, according to the biblical uh, um, definition. It is interesting that the Bible talks about the nations of the land. Most Bible translations, you have it, for example, in Zechariah 12. It talks about that all the nations of Haaretz. It says all the nations and Haaretz you can translate with the land or with the earth. It's your decision as translator. So 
if I translate all the nations of the land are coming against Jerusalem, and I realize that the Palestinians are a conglomerate, a, a, an, an, a rest, actually, also this appears in the prophets, that the rest of all the nations. So it, it, it will change. Reality will change my view of biblical prophecy, yes, but on the other way around, uh, biblical prophecy should determine how I behave in reality. Well, Johannes, that's a, that's a good one. How can you be so sure, for example, that God is bringing the Jewish people home and that you're not imposing your biblical concepts on reality? How, how can we be sure about that? Oh, I mean, it is a historical fact and you don't have to believe in the Bible uh, that the Jewish people was dispersed all over the world, and which is a unique phenomenon in, in, in history at all, that the Jewish people comes back. Now, I know that people say, but how do I know that today's Jews are ancient Israel? I would warn those Christians who ask these questions, and it's mostly Christians who say that, I would warn them the Jewish people has much better facts on their hands to prove that they are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Much more facts than we have facts on hand to prove the continuity between Jesus and the apostles to us. So if we question the Jewish people's identity, we have to question the church's identity. And, and we, we get into all kinds of complicated questions there. I personally know people, some of my friends. One is a direct descendant of King David, which doesn't make him king of Israel. <laughs> there are many of them, yeah? But if you're once in the, in the huge rabbinic lines with your ancestry as a Jewish person, it's not so difficult to find that out. And... I personally know people, another friend of mine is a descendant, he knows that in family tradition, that they were in the time of Solomon, they went to the Northern African Atlas Mountains, and they were the bodyguards of King David. And then I looked at him, oh, that was the Kreti and Pleti, the Philistines. And he said, yes, I'm a descendant of the Philistines. So, if you get into that, there are traditions. But I mean, you can ask these questions, how do I know that Jesus is risen from the dead? And you say it's a verified historical fact. And I, to be honest, there are more eyewitnesses and eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Christ than of the existence of Caesar. So, so we always have to trust some sources. We always have to make a decision. This is a trustworthy worthy source and this is not, not trustworthy source. And then see how things to get together. How do I know that this is above and this is below? If you're sitting in Australia, you say, no, it's the other way around. I mean, it's always, this question will not get us anywhere. It is a fact that the Jewish people founded a Jewish state here in the land of Israel. And I mean, it is a fact that the whole world is concentrating on it. How could you make the United Nations 
make more than half of its resolutions about the Middle East conflict, which is a, if you compare it in terms of numbers or in terms of significance, it's a bi-conflict. It's not mm. important at all. So how do you force the United Nations to so much or for more than half a century concentrate on that rather than say, let's forget about it and move on to the real conflicts? Mm. Thanks. Yeah, well, this is all quite tricky. You know, I, I'm just so conscious we live in an age where, you know, you're talking about facts and we live in a world of fake news and, and nobody really knows what is fact anymore. And one says one is fact and the other says it's fiction. It's a very confusing world um, in which I think it becomes more and more challenging for us to, uh, to, to do exactly what you're saying. And that is to plant our feet firmly in you know, historical realities and facts as evidence of God's dealings with this world. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're relying on, isn't it? We're relying yeah, but on... Let's, let's make it very simple. I don't think this world is so confusing. Ask people where they have their information from. And let's be very clear also about these whole conspiracy theories, whether it's about the media or whether it's about politics, about medicine, whatever you take it, ask people, where do you have it from? And then be very clear. We will not be according to the Bible. We will not be judged whether we recognize the Antichrist in time, but we will be judged if we slandered Bill Gates. Let me say that very clearly. There is... Also, if we slandered anybody else, George Soros or, or whomever, if we're not coming from the facts, and I had it these days that somebody wrote on my, on my YouTube account that, that Zionism is Satanism. Um, I'm living here around with Zionism for the past 30 years. And I missed somehow the facts. Now, this person, I would guess, never ever was in Israel or only for a short tourist visit. Where does he or she know it from? And, and I think we are living in a time where the credibility and the truthfulness of us as Christians is being tested. And we will have to stand judgment for that. With that, I'm sure. I'm not so sure with all the politicians who, who try to find their way. It, it is very difficult for them. Okay, Janus, thank you for that. Um, I think we, um, there's a lot for us to ponder and to chew on and to, to reflect on. There's no doubt, it seems to me, that this whole um, issue of, of Zionism, the Jewish people and the land, is some, it's some kind of testing ground for us. I feel um, in in our Christian identity, it's certainly a very divisive issue within the church. You know, there are many Christians who think it's fantasy. They think we're taking Old Testament concepts and applying them to the New Testament. That's a whole different discussion. But um, you know, I do take away your your observation as well about. You know, there are certain historical facts that we, that we do need to see and they're evidence 
that we can rely on. And there is the Bible. We should not, it's, it's not just evidence, it's not just historical facts, but the Bible has proven its stand and its credibility over generations. And it's an f- amazing phenomenon that, that not only all Jews and all Christians, and I say all, I mean the vast majority, but even the Quran tells us to read and to believe the Bible. So, so there is no other book in the world. And I wrote book myself. So I know how difficult it is to not be forgotten within a, a year or two. So it's an f- amazing phenomenon that the Bible is the book where a majority of mankind agrees this is the word of God for a time span of 2,000 years. Mm. Yes, and yet for those who believe in the Bible, Christians, um, the idea that the Jews are still relevant and, and that they're coming home, being brought home, what's more, uh, is not something that many Christians accept. They, they seem to think that's not part of the Bible anymore. Yeah, but then they have to look the Bible, look at the Bible in a way they would not look at any film, any movie. Normally you look a movie from the beginning to the end. And you know that in the beginning, the characters and the way to understand the movie and the, the sequence of events is crucial that you look from the beginning to the end. I, I know how Christians got to the point that they read the Bible from the end to the beginning. And for example, they say such things, you have to understand the Old Testament through the eyes of the New. Was God more stupid than any movie maker we know? He purposefully gave us step by step by step his revelation. He gave to us, to the Jewish people, what we call today the Old Testament as the basis and step by step revealed it until he fulfilled it in Messiah Yeshua. And I think here, as Christians, we have to think and to be honest also about our hermeneutics. And it's again, it's the way how we understand the word. And it's again a question about our faithfulness and our truthfulness, how we handle facts. I'm sorry if I say that it's facts. We can discuss it. I'm open to that. But if, if somebody comes and says, yes, there's written Israel, but it doesn't mean Israel. And nowhere in the Bible it's redefined as not being Israel. Then you have to be very clearly, a matter of a fact is, if somebody says that, if Paul says the whole of Israel will be saved, and then somebody comes and says, yes, but it means the church. It's a matter of fact that he reads that into the Bible, that it is the church. He can't understand it if he just takes the Bible as a fact. Thanks, Johannes. Um, You're leaving us with a very important message. Thank you all so much for listening and watching this uh, episode of Israel and Christians today. And we look forward to seeing you next time uh, that we continue this very, very important conversation.
about the importance and the significance of Israel and the Jewish people for us as Christians today. Thank you so much, Johannes. Bye-bye. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We'd like to connect with you online. Find us on Facebook, visit our YouTube page and check out our website. For now, thank you for listening and we'd like to see you next time. Bye-bye.